0: Love you guys I'm so appreciative appreciative yeah of this community um how many of you were here last week when we really contended for dance just keep your hands up I just want to get a uh but you were you were doing your thing yeah yeah I just want to get a a visual so so last week at this service oh yeah you don't you can put your hands down I just wanted to get the visual So let me just catch up those who weren't here last week. Um, Last Monday, we got a report that uh, our good friend and pastor uh, of Fuel Church down in Monument, Dan Crosby, went to be with the Lord. And um, and this community, led by Mike and Ray and, and the Fuel Church community, and and we began to contend for resurrection. And we really felt the Lord invite us to do this. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't presumption, right? We asked the Lord, Lord, what's our response? He said, pray for the dead to be raised. And so we felt this thing of three days and on the third day. So we set ourselves to contend for three days. I was out of town the first two days of that. I was at a family reunion. But I tell you what, I just, I came back on Wednesday and I walked into the building, and this, isn't, this is unusual for me, but I walked into the building, and I felt an atmosphere of faith. And I was talking to Mike, I was talking to Ray, and I was talking to our staff, and, and there was a, I was talking to Andrew. He was kind of briefing me on the last three days. And there was just faith that God has the power to raise the dead. So I just want to testify to that. I I wasn't here the first two days. Rachel and I, we were praying on our own. We had to kind of stay engaged in, in the family thing. But we were praying on our own at different times. But when we came back, there was just like, I didn't feel it just praying with Rachel and I. I felt it as I walked into a corporate atmosphere of we were believing in faith together. And uh, and I just want to testify it was it was tangible. So I had the experience of not being in it for two days and coming back into it. And um, and then we prayed last Wednesday for Dan to be raised. If you were here, you know, we spent a good hour contending for this. And um, and the Lord didn't raise Dan. And he is still with Jesus. He went to be with Jesus on Monday. We were asking Jesus, send him back. And he's still with Jesus. So we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. First Thessalonians chapter four. The dead that die in Christ, they are going to be raised again. It says when Christ returns, all the dead that has died in Christ will return with him. And it says, and if we are left, the dead in Christ, they'll rise first. us say they'll return with him. It says they'll rise first. So their spirits are with Jesus. They'll receive a resurrected body and will be caught up and will meet them in the air with the Lord. And then we'll come back down on the earth for Jesus' millennial reign and will be with them forever that's the hope that we have when we experience brothers and sisters passing in Jesus but we had the commandment or we had the 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 impression that we need to pray for his resurrection just so you know this is this is biblical when Jesus sent out the 12 apostles where is it at I think it's in verse 7 here Matthew 10 verse 7 he said this to them. He said, go proclaim the gospel. And as you go, proclaim the kingdom of God. And as you go, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he commands them in verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. And then in Matthew 28, we know that, we've been given, that he's been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, now go in that same authority be my ambassadors on the earth and make disciples so you put those two ideas together in scripture I think there is real biblical grounds for asking God to raise the dead I think I think we enter into no we're going to exercise our authority and we're going to ask God for resurrection power Resurrection power isn't an abstract thing. It's a person. When Jesus walks on the scene and Lazarus is dead, he goes, guys, you know that future resurrection? Martha, you know that future resurrection that you said Lazarus is going to be raised on, in the resurrection of the just? He goes, I'm here. I am that resurrection power. I am that resurrection life. I am that door. I am that gate. So we leaned into the one who is resurrection life, and we asked him to raise the dead. Jesus raised three people from the dead in his ministry. He was walking by a funeral procession. There was a widow. She had lost her only son. She had no one. He walked by, and he touched the casket, and he said, young man arise. And the young man sat up still in the grave closed and began to talk. And it said, everyone was astounded. And then Jairus ran to Jesus. Jairus, Jesus was, Jairus was a a leader of a synagogue and he was in Capernaum and his daughter was really sick. And he runs to Jesus. Would you come and pray for my daughter? And there's a delay because a woman is encountering Jesus and touching the hem of his garment and getting healed. And in that delay, people from Jairus' household come and say, Hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter, your daughter's dead. And Jesus hears them say this. And then he responds to Jairus and he goes, Jairus? He says, I forget the exact phrase. He says, Do not be afraid, only believe. And Jairus had a moment of decision right there. Is he going to listen to the voice of the one who says, don't bother the teacher, your daughter's dead? Or is he going to listen to Jesus of, do not be afraid, only believe. And I felt like we had a choice in those three days to listen to different voices. And I feel like we listened to the voice of, do not be afraid, believe. And I feel the Lord's pleasure on that. I wasn't planning on talking about any of that. That's why it kind of came up loose. <laughs> but um, what I was thinking was, was Jesus raised the dead three times. But then in John 14, he says, you were actually going to do greater works than I did. I mean, we see David Hogan in Mexico. He, I think personally, has laid, on, he laid his hands on 30 people and seen the dead raised. And his ministry has seen 300, are those the numbers, is that right? Personally, 30, he's seen 30 people raised from the dead, and then his ministry's seen 300. But not everyone he's prayed for. He's prayed for thousands, and thousands haven't gotten raised, yet 300 in his ministry have. But that's, that is that verse, you will do greater works than I do. I mean, Jesus said that. So all that to say is, is the way we pressed in, the way we contended, I believe it was biblical. And I believe the Lord had great pleasure in this. And that's what I want to end with. If you can just turn to Luke 18, and I'm going to hand it over to Mike. And then Pastor Dan Yakely, he's with us. Dan, can you raise your hand? He spoke about three weeks ago. Or was that just two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. A lot has happened in two weeks. Okay. Um, Dan, Dan went with Mike and the team on Monday, and he was, Dan was praying for Dan's <laughs> resurrection. <laughs> and, then, um, and then he was there on Wednesday as well, contending. And so he was a part of the, the team that he sent. So he has some thoughts that Mike might have him share a little later. This is, this is what I was feeling we were in prayer on Tuesday as a staff, and we were worshiping the Lord, and I just felt the Lord's pleasure over the faith that we entered into as a community. And as I was feeling the Lord's pleasure, I was reminded of this verse by the Holy Spirit. And it says this, verse uh, Luke 18, verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And then verse 6, Jesus says, hear what the unjust judge said. And he says, and shall not God. So the comparison here is an unjust judge to a holy, just, righteous judge. Or an unjust person to our Father in heaven, who is perfectly good, perfectly powerful, He says, this is from Jesus' mouth, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night? But here's a little thing. It says, though he bears long with them. Jesus says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So there's, I think, two principles here. It's probably like ten principles, but I see two. One, the Lord is looking for people who are going to cry out to him night and day for him to make wrong things right on the earth. He's looking for those people who will believe that I can turn things around in a moment and release speedy, justice. And I want to do that in partnership with the people of faith who are crying out for me to do this. He doesn't do it in a vacuum. He doesn't do it alone. He says, no, I've given you a part to play and your part is to cry out to me. It's the parable of the persistent neighbor in Luke chapter 11. Jesus teaches us the Lord's prayer. He teaches us how to pray. He says, you pray For it to be done on earth just as it is done in heaven. My perfect will. You ask for that. But in asking for that, you ask for it with persistence. And then he gives a parable of a neighbor knocking on the door in the middle of the night. And the friend doesn't get up because he's his friend. The friend gets up because he's a little annoyed with the persistent neighbor, right? He says, in that same way, with persistence, you cry out to me. You ask, you seek, and you knock. And he says, and when you ask, it will be given. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open." So we did our part in asking and in seeking and in knocking. But there's another part in this verse that says, though he bears long with them, though there's a delay in the answer to our prayer, will he find a people that still embraces the delay at times, but continues to cry out to him. Does that make sense? And Jesus actually asks this question. When the Son of Man comes, he's talking about himself, when I return in all of my glory with my kingdom, he goes, will I find this type of faith on the earth? And so what I felt was last week, Jesus found this faith in this church on the earth. I felt like it pleased him. They're crying out to me. And guys, I guarantee that we sowed into the spirit. Those prayers of resurrection, those are real. God's going to answer those in the future. God's going to give us resurrection power. I guarantee it. I was talking to Ray. This is the fifth one that she's either been in a morgue or been in a hospital or been in a room and crying out for God to raise the dead. But you know what? She's going to go to the sixth one and she's going to go to the seventh one. And we're going to see God release resurrection life. One of the verses that just came up so clearly in my heart was in Acts 4. Peter and John, they walk by the man at the gate called Beautiful. He has never walked in his life. He was lame from birth. And they say, silver and gold, we can't give you. He's begging. He's asking. He's a, silver and gold, we can't give you. But what we have, we can give you. And they say, get up and walk. And a guy who has never walked before in his life learns in a moment, God puts in his brain the whole two-year season when you were a toddler and you like learned how to walk. He went through all of that in one moment, and he jumps up, and his legs are strengthened, and he starts running and leaping and praising God. Isn't that amazing? But how that's described in the Sanhedrin, when they're being persecuted for this, <laughs> The Sanhedrin, which is the leadership of Israel, they go, a notable sign has been done in our community that we cannot deny. What I felt like we were praying into was God released notable signs that no one can deny. I mean, guys, when we get a resurrection, when we get a notable sign, I was thinking, man, it'd be awesome if it was last week, three days in a hospital where everyone would have known, yeah, that guy was, he was not alive. And he comes alive. Lots of communities would have, would have said, that's too risky. And we embraced that risk for the, but what if God does it? That's what we're pressing into. Guys, when those notable signs happen, do you know what happens? People come to the Lord like crazy. And that's what we're contending for. We're contending for that watershed moment of a breakthrough in the spirit that releases revival. But you know what? The prayers that we prayed for that last week, God hears those. And he says, I'm going to answer that faith. I'm going to answer those prayers. But here, back to Luke 18, it says, Jesus told them this parable that they should always pray and not lose heart. So here's my encouragement to us. Let's not lose heart. Let's commit now for the next time we have to enter into that fight of faith. It's what Brian preached on last week. We enter into the fray, into the fight with prayer, and we ask God to break through. Let's commit today that we're going to do it the next time. And then we put in the Lord's hands, Lord it's your choice to raise the debt, but we're gonna stand and do our part and we're gonna ask for you to do it. Amen? Amen. So, Mike, why don't you just come up and... He has probably better thoughts on this. Someone <laughs> walked through it the whole time, but, but I just, let me just pray this before we... Lord, I just ask that you would encourage all of us right now. And I pray that you would teach us to always pray And if there is any losing of heart, that you would renew our hearts. You would renew our faith in you. We say you are the just judge. And and we say you will send speedy justice to those who cry out to you night and day. Lord, we commit right now for the crying out to you night and day. We commit again. We sign up again. And we say find that type of faith here in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: I just want to say thanks again for just for contending for those of you who are here last week, and uh, uh, we could feel the faith across Colorado. Uh, there were people here, uh, there were those down in in the Monument area, though there were just intercessors all across Colorado. I called some, just kind of some key people uh, that are uh, that are connected all across Colorado, and and it was like fires were lit, uh, and it was. It was a precious time. I was talking to to Dan about this, and and he was saying, like, I haven't felt such faith in a room as we were in there on that Wednesday night. And we didn't, here's the thing, And we even felt like when we went in, it wasn't let's go in and just ask the Lord for healing. What we did is we just went in that, we went into that room, and we just began to set our eyes on Jesus, and we just began to worship him for who he is. Because a lot of times we try to manipulate God or we try to, we, we worship him because he's going to help us. And, and that's, that's just not how it works. Like, we worship him for who he is. And uh, our faith cannot, uh, cannot be, I guess, uh, explained based on, on what we what we see happen or cannot is not dependent upon what we see happen otherwise if 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 that were the case I don't know how many of you for prayed for something and and it didn't come (laughs) didn't happen how many of you have prayed for something and it did happen how many of you continue to pray when you want something to happen so there there's this if we take I, I look at it this way it's like when a little child is is beginning to walk sometimes you know they'll they'll get up for that first time and uh, and start to walk and they'll take their first step but they don't do what what you know Marcus was saying where they leap for joy and start running around the room and dancing they fall flat on their face right and and i think there's this thing sometimes with our faith where where we expect that when we get up, man, we're going to just leap for joy. We're going to be uh, running around. And, and we've never run before. We've been crawling. And so we get up, and we take that first step, and then bam. And, and if you're a little, if you're a parent, and you've ever had you know your, your children like walk for the first time, when they fall on their face, what you don't do is go, oh, you failed. Well, don't do that again. <laughs> You'll never make it. You'll never... You tried. Good luck. You know, it was, it was a nice try, but but that's it. Don't get up again. You're just better off crawling for the rest of your life. <laughs> what we do is we just... And this, I believe, is kind of that faith is it's strengthened. There's something that happens as we continue to press into this. And, uh, and I know we're going to see the dead raised. We've seen the dead raised, but we're going to see more of the dead raised. We're going to see God do miraculous things, but... But if he doesn't, we're not going to change our ways. We're not going to shift our mindset because we know who God is and we know his faithfulness. And just as we were worshiping, I'm just going to take you through a quick, this is what the Lord was just showing me. We're singing this song, uh, Your Will Be Done on Earth as it is in Heaven. And, um, and I was just seen. you look at this, this is the prayer that Jesus gives to, to the disciples. And he says... So it's that our Father in heaven, and then it's who you are. Holy is your name. So this is that position we come to God with, not what are you going to do for me? It's this is who you are, the nature and character of who God is. And then it's your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of us know all of God's will? How many of us have the mind of God, earth, or even somewhat close? <laughs> and, and this is what I feel like the Lord was just saying, even just as we're worshiping, it's just this, so we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he just took me, you just kind of get to see the, this is what the Lord does with me. Um, took me over to Isaiah 55. And just immediately it was this, so your will be done. Well, what does it say in Isaiah 55? It says this. It says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Which basically means as we pray, we're not praying out of a knowledge of what God's going to do. We have no idea. What we're doing is we're saying, Your ways are so much higher than my ways, but I don't want my ways on this earth. I'm going to contend for your ways. And so sometimes we go, God, do this, do this, do this. Now, there's another side to it, and I think sometimes this can be a lack of faith. We know who God is. We know God's a healer. We know his love endures forever. We know he's faithful. And I think when we see someone who's sick or who's dying or something's happening to him, I don't think we have to pray, God, if you want to heal them, would you heal them? No, we know. We know his will to heal, but we don't. But here's the thing is when it doesn't happen, we can't try to figure it out. And I hear people say, well, you just didn't have enough faith. Well, his word says all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. So that's not it. There is something, I believe, with unbelief. Um, there's many times where Jesus kind of booted the people with unbelief out of the room. <laughs> and uh, um, so there's some things there that I believe. But, but it's that we cannot try to explain or understand what, what God is doing or what he isn't doing or why. And this is all throughout. I mean, this is for everything going on today, for the COVID, for the vaccine, for the stuff that's happening. Like, uh, there's so much craziness going on in this world today. Uh, 2020 was a little more wacko than normal, right? It's, it's, (laughs) but God is moving in the midst of this and we cannot see what he's doing. We have to be careful that we don't get disgruntled or begin to grumble and complain, but we set our eyes on Jesus. And so, so let me just, I'm, I'm, I want to go faster here. Sorry, I need to move. Um. Because I want to leave some time. I think we need to pray tonight. But uh, so, so from that, this is where he took me. So I was in Isaiah 55. And then, and then I felt, then I went over to uh, Romans 8. And in Romans 8, so here it is. His ways are higher than ours. And then he says this. So it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. What's our weakness? Our weakness is we don't know what to pray. He, right here. Well, that's what it says in the next words. Uh, we do not know what we ought to pray for, for the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, and, and sometimes it's this. Even as we were contending for for Dan for his resurrection, uh, there was times where I, we don't know what to pray. But we can begin to groan in the Spirit, and it's the, it's, that's that prayer in the Spirit that we go, God, we don't know what to do, but we're going to actually contend in a place of spiritual prayer that comes from the Spirit. So when we don't know what to pray, it says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. In accordance with God's will this is the beautiful part about it is when we align with the spirit we begin to pray exactly what his will is but a lot of times in our minds we're not going to know what that will is so this is that faith that is being raised up that is being there's there's a sowing in the spirit that's happening and it's a beautiful thing but when we don't see the results that we expect to see, sometimes what we do is we pull back and it can really jar us and it can really throw us. And even, even when we finished on that Wednesday night and we, we contended, you guys were here, we contended for five hours and uh, they told us at seven that we were going to have to leave. They told us again at eight that we were going to have to leave. They told us again at 9 we were going to have to leave. They told us again at 10 we were going to have to leave. And that's when the security came in, and we had to leave. <laughs> but but <they're laughs> Dan, sorry, I'm just kind of I'm going back to these this time where we're in there, and Ray's in there, and I'm in there, and Ryken, and my son, is in there, and he's, he's contending, um, 13-year-old son. I, I was... I was blown away to see my son just prophesying and praying and with the word and praying in tongues and declaring things. I mean, <laughs> it had me in tears at times. And uh, but when, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a powerful time. And I was not planning to bring my son. This is kind of just a side story. But the night before, he goes, he goes Dad, are you going to go pray for Dan tomorrow? And I go, oh, I, can, I, I don't know. We may. Um, he goes, well, if you do, I want to come. A- and I go, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> you know, you're just thinking, like, practically, like, okay, he's going to see someone, you know, it's just, it's. he's 13 years old. I'm like, I don't know how he's going to process that. And and uh, and he reminded me, he was sitting right here, and uh, if you know who David Wagner is, is a guy who's raised the dead multiple times, and a prophetic guy, um, he's a friend of the family, and um, on a, at a conference we were at, Ryken was sitting right there, and he looks to Ryken, and he goes, Ryken, I give you everything that I have. I give you a mantle of all that I have. It's upon you to use, and, and uh, it was a powerful moment, and Ryken on that Tuesday night goes, Dad, don't you remember what David Wagner said to me? I'm going to raise the dead. I was like, okay, you're coming. <laughs> you're coming with us. Um, but I was, <laughs> what I was going to say is when we were in there, Dan goes, uh, uh, we're praying, and they're like, hey, you're going to have to leave. And Dan goes, oh, they never should have let us in here. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> and there was such a faith in this time as we were just contending and contending. Now, I would say... By the end, as we're on the fifth hour, um, at least, I don't know about everybody else's faith, but my faith began to kind of wane in that time. And I was like, oh, Lord, it's not going to happen. Like, we've been contending. What's going on? And so I had to go home that night. I mean, after five hours of kind of in that place of warfare, like, it just kind of hit me. Like, you know, it's that you go home, and with such expectation... And you're like, okay, Lord, but here's the thing that I, I feel like we have to do in those times. And this is what I did, as I just pressed into him. And I'm like, Lord, show me your truth. Show me who you are. I need to know, again, who you are. And then just begin to declare who he is. And it just began to strengthen me again. And uh, that I, I never want to waver in my faith based on a circumstance when it doesn't come to pass the way I expect it to. And I'll say, I mean, I've prayed for Thousands of people, and um, and when I first started praying for people, I saw very few healings. And now, um, I would say the majority of the time, I pray for people, they're healed. Why? That shifted. I don't know. Miraculous healings. People, you really just grab their hand and they can't walk, and you say in Jesus' name, and they walk, and they're not using their casts anymore or their or their crutches and. I haven't seen I haven't seen the dead raised, but we will, and it'll be beautiful. I wanna I wanna finish with one other thing here. So oh so from Romans eight, then it, I just took it took me to John twenty one twenty two, and it's just these words to, to Peter, um, and I think sometimes, again it's this place of, what are we what are we on this earth to do. And and sometimes we can look at somebody else's life or or wow, Ray, uh, like she prays for somebody and they're raised from the dead and I prayed and they're not. Like that's not fair or what's, you know, or there's different things that we can kind of look at and go, well, how come, how come they get to do this or, or God, you're blessing them in this way and, and you're not blessing me in that way. And, uh, and Peter had this, this experience with Jesus and, um, and uh, it says, so in, in John twenty twenty, it says, Peter turned and he saw... Uh, that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. And he says this, he asks the Lord, what about him? Because right before that, basically, he's saying, Peter, you're going you're gonna to die a, a pretty tough death. And, uh, and he says, well, what about, what about John? What about him? And Jesus answers, and these are some powerful words, and I feel like we just need to set this in our heart. He goes, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Then he says these words, you must follow me. Our whole purpose in life is to follow Jesus. It is with our eyes on him. And I'm going to close. I want to finish with this. And Dan, if you want to come up and uh, you want to, um, I, I just want to, in Hebrews 11, at the very end, this is called the faith chapter. I mean, you read this chapter. I mean, this is amazing. Um, just about it's by faith this happened. By faith this happened. I mean, faith is our part in this, um, and God is the faithful one. But, but there are so, there's so, I we have so limited understanding of this. Uh, in verse 13, it says this. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised to them. And then now I'm going to just jump down to the very end of of Hebrews 11, and it says this in verse 39 and 40. It says, again, talking about the faithful ones, talking about those that were in faith, and it says they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. But here's the part. Right after that, it says this and this is that well God how could that be Like they had faith how did they not receive the promise these are the faithful ones not the unfaithful ones I'm not talking about the Israelites in the wilderness these were faithful ones that did not receive the promise and and it says God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect And, and that actually a kind of a poor translation the the word is um teleo which is this is actually what it means is only in that would they be made complete and it's actually it's like as finishing a race so there is this this race that we're finishing it says i pulled it out from the uh, um Anyway, the greek it was the Greek translation. But it's, uh, it says, as a course, a race, or the like, to complete or to finish, to accomplish. And uh, this is the cool part. Right after that, in the next verse, it's another chapter, but it shouldn't be. It should be the same chapter. Because it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, these are the ones of faith, commended for their faith, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and then it says, let us run this race. So here it is. We're running the race with perseverance, the race that is marked out for us, and then it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so the very word at the end of, of chapter 11 where it says that, that uh, it's in this place together, that this faith is perfected, it's the exact same word. Well, one's a verb and one's the noun, but it's the same Greek word where it says that Jesus is the author and that telio, the perfecter, the one that allows us to finish the race together. And so I think sometimes we look at things in terms of our lifespan and we say, well, are we going to see the promises of God? We may, and we will see some, but we more than likely will not see them all. But the question is, is will we have the faith together then with generations to come to, to see this finished, the author through Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith? Thanks for that, Amen. Um. Yeah, let me just. So, Heidi Baker today. Who know? You guys know who Heidi Baker is. So just to, this was her words. I just I just saw it tonight. I was like, oh, she had been talking about this, but then she just reiterated it again tonight, or um, just on a prayer group with her. She's in she's in uh, Mozambique. And uh, the Al Shabaab is, uh, they're beheading people, they're beheading her family, um, those around her, and, uh, and it, is a, it is a very intense time right now. Um, and this is what she said I'm waiting on the Lord with joy in my heart. I feel like the constant trauma of the Al Shabaab threat and all the suffering of the people, it has really affected me. We will fix our eyes on Jesus and learn to rest in him. And then she said this, the world is shaking, and I feel rest is our warfare. I believe it's this place that the Lord is calling us into in this very time. It's a place of faith, and faith When faith is actually activated in us, when we allow that faith to come forth, it's a place of rest because it's nothing that we can do in our own ability. Faith is that trusting in who he is, not in what he's going to do or how he's going to accomplish things. Faith goes beyond what we see. It's based on him. So it says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Trusting in Him. And, and it's faith in hope. I talked a, bit, a little bit about it on Sunday. So what's hope? Hope is the nature and character of God and His promises. And we put in His Word, which never returns void. That's the hope that we put our faith in. That never, It never fails. He never fails. He's faithful in every way. So this is what I believe we're being called into in this season. There's going to be a lot more shaking. Things in this world are, things are just ramping up and at at an accelerated pace. And if our faith is not established in him, and if it's on our circumstances, or if it's on our money, or if it's on the worldly things, we are going to be so shaken in this time. We're going to get our feet knocked out from under us, and we're going to wonder what happened. Our faith has to be in him. It's eyes on Jesus. It's our hearts tender and open towards Him, that we don't look at the circumstances, and it doesn't deter us, it doesn't change who He is, and it doesn't change who we are in Him and how we move forward. Amen?
2: Love you guys. Do you mind if I, uh, hey, thank you for saying you left me back. <laughs> I'm not insecure over that. I love you. <laughs> um, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to give you a 30,000 foot view of what I believe God's doing, of what I felt the other night with Dan Crosby. <clears throat> By the way, we've all been given, all of us have been given a measure of faith. All of us have been given a measure of faith, period. The very act of going shows that we were not walking in unbelief, because unbelief keeps you from going. That's what Dave Hogan had with his first dead raising. He didn't lay hands on him because he didn't believe he'd get resurrected. That's what launched him into the supernatural because that little 13-year-old boy died alongside that river because he didn't believe that God could do it. And he was deeply grieved over that, And so it launched him into the supernatural. When I laid hands on Dan, two scriptures exploded in my heart. I want to share that with you. And walking out on Wednesday night, we were there for quite a while. The Lord spoke to me to go on Monday, So on the 25th of being here with you guys, there has been a massive shift in the spirit. And then coming in on the 28th on that Wednesday night prayer meeting, we began to contend over the entire front range for pastors. It felt as if a massive, significant prayer meeting had taken place. In fact, I'm already seeing the results, the fruit of what happened on that Wednesday night. Something shifted massively in the north on Sunday. That was on the 28th. On the 1st, coming into a three-day fast, Dan passes away. On the way to the hospital, I'm driving up Downing. I don't know Dan Crosby. I remember him way back in the day when he was part of Acquire the Fire, Teen Mania, Ron Luce. I knew he was a radical man. The Lord said, Dan Crosby from Monument, I'm about to do something monumental. The Lord spoke to me to go that night, and I didn't fully understand until on Sunday we were there to begin to stand over the seed and we were there to make sure that the seed, the very seed when Stephen was stoned when he died it was for the resurrection of Saul of Tarsus his blood stirred up Saul of Tarsus had an encounter with Jesus The blood always cries out. We were there to contend. And when I laid hands on Monday night, the power of God, I don't manifest very much. I begin to shake. In fact, Peter Young, he had his hand on my back, and he called me later. He goes, I've never seen the glory come on you so intense. You were shaking so intensely. When I laid hands on that man's chest, two scriptures exploded in my spirit, and I saw lightning hit Boulder, Colorado, and I saw another bolt of lightning hit Estes Park. And God said, it has begun that the dam in the north is about to break. And then he said to me when, I was, when we were praying for those three days, he said, whether I raise him up, if I raise this man up, it will shake the region. If he dies, it will shake it twice over. So he says to me. He said, stand and contend over this seed, over this man of God, that as this seed is going into the ground, it will bring forth a massive harvest of souls. And laying my hand on his chest, it was such a powerful moment. I've actually seen the dead raised. I saw a woman get raised from the dead in the Tampa airport. Died right in front of us in a massive pool of blood. She fell back and blew her head open, 75-year-old woman on on the escalator in front of 200 of us. When God told me to lay hands on her, I didn't feel an ounce of boldness. I was under major intimidation. I didn't feel faith, and I didn't feel the power of God. It was nothing like it was in that room with Dan Crosby. Absolutely nothing like it was on Wednesday night. There was so much power in the room, and it felt like it was under something massive, Mike. That's why I stayed. Because God said, in the staying and being faithful, David Young I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that are so real. I have been praying and praying and praying. The Lord said, this man's death is under some thing, unto some things that you cannot even imagine in this front range. I hope you believe that. And if I'm the only one that believes it, I'm standing and believing it. I saw something happen in Estes Park on Sunday morning that I've been there since 2007. I have not seen until Sunday morning. The power of God let loose in that place. And it felt the city was shaking and the pastor was about to come into revival. And all of it came, that moment came off laying hands, on laying hands on Dan Crosby. David young e. Cho, when his ministry was very small in South Korea, God said to him, I want you to go lay your hands on this dead man and pray that he gets raised up. So David Cho, this is a true story, he tells the story. He went and laid hands on that dead man and began to contend and pray for his resurrection. And the man was never resurrected. And for some reason, this is kind of the mindset of Koreans, I have one of my best friends is from Korea, and he's part of that church, shared the story. And he said, the mindset of us, if we felt that we have failed, that we somehow miss God or God is against us, and it can bring depression. That's what happened to David Cho. He came under depression, and a spirit of suicide came on him, and he went to the top of a building to commit suicide. And on the top of the building, the Lord says, what are you doing? He said, Lord, you told me to pray for this man to be resurrected, and he was buried. And God said to him, what is that to you? You obeyed me. He said, you know what it's unto? I'm going to explode souls in South Korea. And that's exactly what happened. Over one million conversions in South Korea. At that point, it was the largest church in the world. It's not that largest church in the world anymore, but at that point it was. Bill Johnson was contending over their father, a man of God who had passed a mantle onto his son. Reading in Bethel was a product of his, of his father, paying a price. And he died of a terrible way of cancer. And Bill Johnson and his father wouldn't even look in the mirror to get an image of what he looked like because the cancer was distorting him so intensely. He says, take all the mirrors out of my house. We are standing in radical faith. And so they set up night and day 24-7 of worship around this man of God. Nobody was allowed in the room that did not believe in the power of resurrection. And they worshiped night and day, night and day, night and day until he died. And then they laid hands on him to be resurrected. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they buried that man of God. And so much ridicule came against, against um, Pastor um, Bill Johnson, so much ridicule, so much hatred from all these pastors said, Look, you're an embarrassment to the body of Christ. And I still have that sermon when he got up in front of all of Reading and tears. He had this, this zeal on him. I will never concede that God is powerful, mighty, and always good. And that morning, he got a phone call from Rick Joyner. And Rick Joyner says, Bill, the Lord just showed me at the death of your father. God declares Redding, California a cancer-free zone. He said, from that point, they've had every manner of cancer healed in that house. Thousands and thousands of healings. When I laid hands, in fact, I was so hesitant to begin to prophesy. I thought that, that she was his wife. I did not know his wife. I didn't, I've never met Dan. God told me, you go. I felt it was so significant that we went. It was so weighty that I went, and it was so weighty that we tarried, and we pressed, and we contended, and we blessed, and we declared. And I tell you, the power of God was on me so intensely. I was convinced that man was coming up. Like I said, I have seen miracles when it was effortless in that airport. God says, you just touch her, and I touched that lady, and she was instantly resurrected in front of 200-plus people in a pool of blood. Because when you have a head wound, they bleed terrible. And the the nurse pronounced her dead and the police officer let go of the back of her head. Her back of her head was exposing her brains. I said, Lord, what was that? I didn't feel an ounce of faith. I felt no power. He said, I just needed a contact point. It's not hard to raise the dead. It's not hard to see cancers healed. It's in his name. Amen. What this is unto, I will tell you this. I believe with all of my heart this is unto a regional revival. Pastor Julio Roybal, I have been on this this story for months and months and months praying. Something has happened where God has taken me up. I feel the greatest burden. I can go to other cities and preach, and I I, I enjoy doing that. My burden is for the front range right now. It's gripping me. Something is about to happen. Praying for Dan, I felt the ground was, was about to heave. I felt like I was about to lose my footing. That's what it felt like, that the ground was about to heave. Julio Roibault was in Cali, Colombia, 15 million people in the city. Just so you know, Colorado's about 5 million people. 15 million people. The city was utterly lost to cocaine. The drug cartels owned over 900 city officials and police officers. The corruption was so deep, there was no unity in the city. No pastors were praying together. And when Julio, a missionary, came into Cali, Colombia, him and his wife, Ruth, they began to. They were so frustrated with the church, and so they just began to do their own thing. And he got so rebuked of the Lord. He says, you go to all these pastors, and I want you to go fall on their feet and repent for your judgments towards them. I'm going to raise up a revival in this city that you've never seen before. So they got a little bit of traction. Some pastors came together, and they brought the church together. And 2,500 people filled up an auditorium for prayer. And then when things began to kind of cut loose a little bit, he was on the way to the church with his daughter. He says, sweetheart, let me out of the car. Very dangerous part of the city. The whole city at this time was dangerous. She said, Dad, let me just drop you off at the building. You know it's not safe here. He says, I must get out of the car right now. So he gets out of the car, and he starts walking, and his daughter looks at him, and she says, I was looking at him for the last time because there was an assassin waiting for him and shot him dead on the street of Cali, Columbia. And what happened? All the pastors that would not come together They came and they prayed for his resurrection. He was not resurrected. And they said, this man's blood will not be in vain. And what he could not do, they all of a sudden, 1,500 pastors got together at the funeral and said, this man's death will not be in vain. 1,500 pastors says, this man's death will not be in vain. It will be for the glory of God in Cali, Columbia. And they called the church for prayer, and they brought 65,000 people together in the massive coliseum and prayed all night long. You can read about it in George Otis Jr.'s book on Transformation. What happened that night, the whole city shook under the power of God. The cartels were shut down. The 900 of the city councilmen, police officers were all arrested. Special forces from America and other countries came in and began to shut it down. And the glory of God hit this city. And they said thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people begun to get saved. And they attributed it to the blood of this man. I am not being hyper. I'm not overreaching here. I know what God speaks to me. And I would not say it if God had not showed me. There is something about Dan Crosby and us contending for him at this moment. Something is about to break loose in this front range. And I will not, along with your pastor and along with you, we will stand and believe that this is a catalytic moment for our region, for everything to be changed and turned upside down in the name of Jesus. Two scriptures, when I laid hands on his chest, I heard this. Rain down, you heavens, from above, Isaiah 45, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up from the ground. Isaiah 42, the second one. For the Lord at this point is going to go out forth like a mighty man. He will stir up his zeal like a man of war, and he will cry out, You shout aloud. And then I heard this. It's time for the Ezekiel church. It's time. We're going to stand on the edge and look down into a valley. God says it is time for the awakening of his breath. He asked the prophet, you see the bones. Ezekiel, he tested him. Can these bones live? Listen, this is not the time to grieve a man of God. What Dan stood for, what he believed, what he fasted, what he prophesied, what he declared, there will not be one word fall to the ground. Not one. This is the time to declare. You know that the supernatural and the natural, they run parallel. It's intertwined. That's why they say when revival comes, it's like the veil gets thin. Angels start showing up. Things begin to happen. That's the moment that we're at right now. And he said to the prophet, prophet, I don't need you to tell anymore how bad the church is. Ezekiel didn't stand there and say, well, these bones deserve to be dead. They've sinned against you. They've worshiped at false altars. They can never stand from one generation to the next. One king will serve you. Three will backslide and fail you and build false altars. God, these bones deserve to lie dead. That's not what he said. He said, Lord, you alone know and God says, prophesy over the bones. And God began to raise him up. That is the moment that we were at. That's what I'm sensing. There's something going to happen on the 14th at this brother's funeral. And we will not let the blood of a man of God lie in vain. We will not let his voice lie in vain. We will not let anything that he contended, stood for, believed, and prophesied lie in vain. You mark my words we are on the forefront of the greatest move of God that we have ever seen before. Many people believe this is the beginning of the third great awakening and God is going to have Colorado. He will. And that's why we went. When I left that, that on, on what, 1030 on Wednesday night. I went out and I stood on that sidewalk at that emergency area and I stood there. I said, Lord, what do you have to do? What, what do you have to say? He said, Watch. I'm about to do something monumental. And I went out and I began to prophesy. He said, prophesy. And I began to declare the angel of awakening. It's in the land. Everything is shifted. Everything has shifted. And it's time for this church. This is such a pivotal house. The feeling of coming here and doing this together when Chuck Pierce said that this house has been given a 120-mile radius. It's like what we do here really matters. I had people from that Wednesday night call me from Granby, the place you pastored in. Didn't you have Revival JR in Granby? Grand Lake area? They called up. They're from, I can't remember the name of the church. They said, we saw the feed. They said, something is about to shift in this whole area. And I told them about you. And I told them the souls that you saw and the revival that was coming down that area they said we are standing and believing for great awakening and great revival I see something about to shift I've been asking God Lord you got to give me three more cities we got to have Loveland we got to have Fort Collins and Greeley because it's about to happen Jake Hamilton said this before the great outpouring all comes the offense and we will not be offended we don't have time to grieve Dan Dan would not let us grieve him he would say what are you doing Do you understand how thin the veil is? Stand and declare that what I stood for in monument, what I prophesied over, what I declared, I want this this front range rocked by the glory of God. He said, he would tell you, do not grieve my passing, for everything is about to change. And they said, when Julio Roybal was shot in the streets, it was the catalyst for the great Cali-Columbia revival. When Bill Johnson's dad died, it was the result of every form of cancer healed in the northern, and they've gone over the world with that anointing. When Stephen died, it was for the awakening of Saul of Tarsus. And you can look at two thirds of your New Testament the souls that were transformed, one man's encounter that oversaw the death of a man of God. And God said, That man's death will not lie in vain, the blood of a martyr. This is the moment that we're at. We're in a divine moment. It's time for awakening. Amen? Here's the last part of this. He said, he will cry out. Yes, he will shout aloud. And he will prevail against all of his enemies. God is prevailing in Colorado. Amen? Amen? God bless you, Pastor Mike. Do you want to? So good, Dan.
0: So Dan had no idea he was going to speak, just so you know. <laughs> he just walked in, and we were like, oh, Dan, here you go. That's called being ready in season and out of season, hearing the word of the Lord. Thank you, Dan. Wow. So uh, we're going to end tonight in prayer. We're going to break up into a small group prayer. What we were feeling, I've, I feel two things now. I, I, what he just released, if you guys, if we want to pray into that, just in your group, pray into that. Just let's reach for this. Also, uh, in your groups, just spend some time praying for one another too. We, we entered into the fight last week. It, it's good to ask for refreshing. And so just lay hands on each other and say, Lord, refresh my brother. Refresh my sister. And you're going to hear from the Holy Spirit prophesy over them. You're going to hear words. Just encourage one another. It's good to contend, but it's also good to prophesy and pray over and edify the body of Christ. Amen. So let's do that. Oh yeah. So Dan uh, Crosby's memorial service will be here on Saturday and it will start at 1 30, in the afternoon. And, um, and everyone's, everyone's invited. Everyone's in- welcome. So, all right, let's stand and do it. Do you have one more thing? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and stand up, and we'll, we'll just... We've got about 10 minutes, so just... Uh, and then if you have kids, make sure you pick them up by a quarter till. But just... There's this scripture in Galatians 6, uh, and it talks about sowing, and it says, when you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit this eternal life. There's a, there's a sowing that we're doing when we're, when we're operating in a place of faith. And then right after that, though, it says, so let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season, in, in the Cairo's time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, and uh, I just want to encourage you, there's, there's always that, I think the enemy tries to do, I know the enemy tries to do it, right before there's revivals, if you read through the revivals, there are these, there's almost like these lulls, and there's this opportunity to kind of like get weary, and like, ah. Uh, I just don't think, like, we've been pressing into this. We, we, we thought God was going to come and he was going to move, both at the Azusa Street Revival and at the Welsh Revival. This happened. And there was even weeks before, it was like there was this heaviness and this weariness that began to take place in the body of Christ. And there were, there were few. I don't know that there was many, but there were those that pressed on. They pressed into it, and that's when things began to break and, uh, and they saw massive revival, both of those revivals, hundreds of thousands of souls coming into the kingdom. So, so, Lord, I just thank you that even as we gather, as we just gather right now and as we pray, Lord, I pray that there would be a refreshing on us. There would be a renewing of our spirit, Lord, uh, to press into the very things that you have for these coming days, weeks, months, years, Lord, that, that we would not be weary in doing good, but, Lord, that, that there would be a strength that comes from your spirit, not from us. It's not by our power. It's not by our might, but it's by your spirit that we move, that we actually do and accomplish the things that we're called to accomplish. So, Lord, I thank you, though, that we will not give up, we will persevere, we will endure, and we will set our eyes on Jesus. We will throw off, cast off those weights. Lord, I pray that even as we pray tonight, that there would be a casting off of weights, of these things that have come in and maybe just weighed us down in this season. I feel like there are weights that we're carrying, that we're holding on to right now. Cast them off. Let the Holy Spirit reveal those weights, those things. And there may be sin. It says that uh, in the sin that so easily entangles. And I see it's like you're running. It's almost like, it's like something like grabbing at your legs there and trying to trip you up. We're not going to let those things trip us up. We're not going to let the sin and, and we're not going to let those weights keep us from pressing in and actually moving on to complete that race, that teleo. That, that there would be a completion of that race as we walk in faith, as we set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So I just bless everyone here. Bless those that are watching online right now. Online, do the same thing. Just begin to pray. Begin to contend for this and ask the Lord for that, that renewing and that strengthening right now so that we do not give up, so that do we do not become weary in doing good. Amen? Amen. Amen you. <music>